Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Three weeks ago, I, I, I preached a message on balanced, godly prosperity. Balanced, godly prosperity. And uh, when I teach on prosperity, and this is something that every pastor has to, to teach on with some regularity, uh, because what the Bible has to say about prosperity goes contrary to what the world has to say. And how prosperity is achieved and so forth, uh, according to the Bible and the, and the Bible pattern and the Bible process is uh, completely opposite from this world. And so every pastor has to teach on this from time to time. And, and uh, there, I'll just tell you right up front, there are two objectives and I'll, I'll, I'll build on these objectives as we go forward. There are two objectives that uh, the Spirit of the Lord has given me. And that is for, for number one, there is an unbalanced message of prosperity that's in the church world right now and it tends toward greediness and uh, the added attitude that we just need to get more and get more and possess more and have more and just, and just uh, it's all about gathering together. You know, uh, uh, great possessions or great wealth. And so I want to, I, and that disturbs me because it's, it's, a, a, it's an extreme presentation of the truth and it's not balanced. And, uh, and, and we'll see that it actually can, can result in the downfall of a lot of people. So I want, I want to deal with that. Then I want to deal with the other side and that, and that is people who, uh, and, and people who fall in either one of these categories don't like it when I teach on prosperity because they feel like that I'm stepping on their toes. If I'm stepping on your toes, uh, you know, be patient, keep your heart open and let, and let the word of God speak to you. It's not so much what I say, but let the word of God speak to you. So the other side of the coin are that, that I'm trying to deal with and, and bring enlightenment to is uh, people who don't have a vision for anything but just what they need. There are a lot of people who just want their, their biggest uh, uh, goal or dream in life is to pay their mortgage every month and to eventually pay it off and to retire with a, with a house paid for and enough money and savings to supplement Social Security and... Uh, and, and to live a, a fairly comfortable life, not you know flamboyant, but to be comfortable, not be in need, have a decent automobile, and just uh, and just live like that. And, and and let me put a little addendum in here: to live modestly is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with living modestly. That's not that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the idea of. All I, I want in life is enough to live a modest but good life, but not enough to ever make a difference in anybody else's life. 
That's the thing I want to, to, uh, to correct. And so those are the two goals I'll tell you right up front uh, in this study. And uh, let's read here in, in 3 John, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. We know this was a letter from a very short epistle, uh, just a, a note really from the apostle John to his beloved friend Gaius. And, uh, and so you, you can read it that way that it's just a personal letter, but you need to understand that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so even though God used the occasion of John writing a letter to his friend, the Spirit of God came upon John and what he wrote was actually breathed by the Spirit of God. And, and so it is the will of God. And so uh, when John said, I pray that you, Gaius, may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers, he's, the Spirit of God is not just limiting this to Gaius. This is the will of God for everybody. Amen. He said, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, this word prosper, uh, we pointed out that the word that's used, the Greek word that's used, could be translated that it may go well with you. But we also showed last, last time, three weeks ago, uh, you know, two weeks ago, Jim Hockaday was here and I didn't get to get back to it. And then last week I was going to and the Holy Ghost moved differently and I went a different direction. So uh, three weeks ago, we showed that this word that's translated prosper here is used in other places in the New Testament to specifically refer to financial prosperity. It's, it's directly uh, in, in the context and the way it's used in the other verse. It has an application to uh, and it's talking about financial prosperity. Now, it's interesting, and if you've ever heard anybody teach on prosperity, you'll know this is true. All of the big prosperity teachers, they always, every time I, I hear the great prosperity teachers preaching on prosperity, they always issue this disclaimer, but it doesn't work. Here's the disclaimer. Now, prosperity, you've heard it, prosperity covers a lot of things. We're not just talking about money. How many times you heard prosperity priest? They'll say that sort of as a disclaimer and then they go back and spend the rest of the hour talking about financial prosperity. They'll say, now it doesn't just mean, it's, we're not just talking about financial prosperity. There's all kinds of prosperity and then they spend the rest of the time talking about financial prosperity and none of the other things. So I wanna just give not a disclaimer but a, but a uh, disclosure that I am talking about money. Okay, now, i just tell you right now, I'm not trying to, to, to fly under the radar. We're gonna talk about financial prosperity, amen. But we're going to acknowledge that there are other areas of prosperity. The word prosper, according to the, to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, says, it says to succeed in an enterprise or activity, especially to achieve economic success. Then it goes on to say it means to become strong and flourishing and it means to cause to succeed or to thrive. But notice uh, the most fundamental uh, meaning of prosperity is it means all of these things but especially economic success. Well, that would be financial prosperity. Isn't that right? Uh, 
you know, even if, even if this verse didn't necessarily mean financial prosperity, you know it would include it because it said, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. In all things. Well, that would have to include financial prosperity. But it would also include other areas that, that God wants you to flourish in, to be successful in. You know, God wants us to, be, uh, to flourish in our relationships. He wants, you, he wants you to have a prosperous marriage. What would be a prosperous marriage? A happy marriage. You're not trying to kill each other all the time. Fussing and fighting all the time. That wouldn't be a prosperous marriage. A happy uh, 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 marriage. God wants you to prosper in your other family relationships. He wants you to, to, young people, he wants you to have a prosperous relationship toward your parents. A good relationship. Listen, it it might be the trend of the day for for teenagers to not get along with their parents, but that's that's not the Bible's way. The, the, the way of the Bible is for you to have a good relationship with your parents. Parents, it's, it's prosperous for you to have a good relationship with your children. Dependent children, teenagers, but also uh, adult children. You know, if you, if, if you say, well, I haven't talked to my children in five years. They never called me. Well, that's not a prosperous relationship. And, and God, doesn't, God doesn't want that. He wants you to have a good marriage. He wants you to have good relationships. He wants you to prosper on the job relationship-wise. You know, to, 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 to have good relations with your coworkers. You know, if, if you keep getting fired all the time because you can't get along with anybody anywhere you work, you're not prospering in that regard. God wants us to, 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 to have good relationships with people. God wants us to prosper uh, in the community, in in the sense of uh, uh, in your work, and your bit, not necessarily the financial end, but but just in the in the fact of, of of being making a contribution. You know, one of the definitions here is to become strong and flourishing, and to succeed in an enterprise or activity. God wants you to prosper in your enterprise, in the activities of life. You know, the Bible teaches that, that a man should work. But you know, it's, it's not that God just wants your nose to the grindstone. It's not about the effort and the physical labor or the mental labor that God's after. It's not that God wants you to work in that sense. God wants you to contribute. He wants you to contribute to commute to the community. He wants you to contribute to this world spiritually, but in other ways. I mean, God, God wants all of us to be involved. He doesn't want anybody sitting around not making a contribution. So, well, you know, I'm out of work. You know, that means God's not happy. Listen, if one of the things here is that he wants us to be in health. Well, if, if I get up and say, God wants you well, he doesn't want you sick. Your response, if you were sick, wouldn't be, oh, well, I'm, I'm discouraged now because I'm sick, so I'm not pleasing God. No, your response would be, what? God wants me to be well? That means I can be well. That means I can go after this. I can believe God for wellness. Well, if you're not financially strong, if you're not, if you're not uh, uh, in, in the best employment situation, don't be discouraged. Know that God wants you to prosper. That means he'll help you. 
That means he's for you. God wants us to prosper in all of these realms. He wants us to prosper in the emotional realm, the mental realm. You know, be in control of yourself, control of your emotions, your feelings, so forth. But then he said, I pray that you may prosper in all things, which would include financial prosperity, and to be in health. So that's physical prosperity, having a healthy body. And uh, he said, just as your soul prospers, just as your soul prospers, that would be uh, spiritual prosperity. Notice that only, he said, let's read it again. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Only spiritual prosperity can bring balance to the other areas of prosperity. Only spiritual prosperity brings it together and brings balance. Without spiritual prosperity, as we'll see as we go through these scriptures, without spiritual prosperity, financial prosperity will be your ruin. Financial prosperity will be your ruin one way or another if you're not prospering spiritually. Amen. Go over with me to Luke, the 12th chapter. Luke, Gospel of Luke chapter 12. And let's look at verse number 15. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware. Everybody take note of that word, beware. Take heed. Well, how do you take heed? That means you pay attention. If you're gonna take heed to something, you're gonna act on it. He said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And like I said, I'm concerned today that a lot of people present prosperity as just the accumulation of more and more stuff. Jesus said, that's not what it's about. That's not what life is about. Then he, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, that is greater barns, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will be those things of which you have provided? Verse 21 is very important. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? It means to be in relationship with God. It means to be yielded to God's will, following and pursuing God's will for your life, having God involved in everything you do. That is being rich toward God. Now, like I've said before, I believe in a balanced prosperity message. 
With every biblical subject, there's a main road, so to speak. It's a way to illustrate it. There's a main line of truth. But then there are ditches on either side of that road. And it seems that uh, on, on most major doctrines, people tend to get in the ditch on one side or they get in the ditch on the other side. And there are elements of truth in both ditches. There are elements of truth in both ditches, but the real truth is right in the middle of the road. And I think because of the inherent greediness of human nature, now I think we'll all admit, we'd have to admit, that human nature is greedy. I'm talking about unsanctified, unsaved, you know, human nature is greedy. Well, given uh, this greediness that is so inherent in human nature, I think that biblical prosperity is probably one of the doctrines that is most likely to be gotten into the ditch because people are greedy. And so uh, it, it, it lends itself then to extremism. What is, what is extremism when it comes to Bible truths? Extremism is taking any Bible truth and preaching it or believing it, or living it to the exclusion of other things the Bible says about that truth. See, if you only follow one vein of of scriptures on the subject of prosperity, and you don't deal with the others that we're looking at or going to look out in this study, you you will you will be in the ditch, and you will be in, a, in, a, in an extreme position. And that, that extremism can be on either side. On the side that tends towards, you know, just the accumulation of more and more and more on, or on that side which is sort of a, a, a phony, uh, religious, uh, 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 a religious, non-humble, uh, it's not really humble, but this religious humility says, I don't need anything. You know, just, just, my, just a little cup of, of soup, you know, and a, and a piece of bread and I'm happy. Well, uh, that's, that's an extreme on the other side. We need to stay out of extremism, amen? Uh, go with me to, now before we do, we need to take note of this passage because I've never heard a prosperity preacher in my life preach on this. I'm talking about the, the people who, who build their ministries on the prosperity message. I've never heard of one of them cover this. Maybe they have, but I've listened to a lot. And I've never heard this passage covered before. Uh, Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Why would he say that? Why would he say beware of covetousness? Because covetousness exists. Greediness exists. It is a... It is a basic human flaw. We need to be aware of it. Amen. Turn with me then over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And let's look at the passage we were looking at last time. Verse number 9. But those, I'll wait till everybody gets there. I want you to read it in your own Bible. 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts 
which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, this is a pretty serious warning. I said, this is a serious warning. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many, not a few, but many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Uh, You you need to, again, I've never heard anybody, I've never heard the, the leading prosperity teachers teach this. This doesn't seem to fit. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. How many want how many want to fall into more temptation? How many are not being tempted enough in life? You just really wish you could relate to other people who seem to be tempted all the time. Lord, give me more temptation so I'll know how other people feel. No. There's nobody like that. Those who desire to be rich, he said, listen, if we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into this. But according to this scripture, those who desire to be rich, if your purpose in life is to be rich, you will fall into many temptations and snares. Is that what it said? Temptations, what is a snare? A snare is a trap. If your purpose in life is to be rich, you will fall into many temptations and traps. You could say traps of the devil, but they'd be traps of your own making. And into many, many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I have seen this firsthand. I've seen this happen to people. They get all about money. It's all about money. It's all about being rich. And, they, and I've seen people who once walked with God and, and God was important in their life and they allowed themselves to be deceived with the deceitfulness of riches and they were, they were drawn into this and, and it ruined their life. That's what this means. When most translations say ruin and destruction. Drown men in ruin and destruction. Well, that's a, that's a very sober warning. And, and we should give consideration to it because it's real. Amen. So that's a very serious warning. Now let's go back then to first, or Third John again. Third John. And let's look at verse two again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. And we know that that especially means to achieve economic prosperity, financial prosperity. He said, the Spirit of God said through the Apostle John, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things And be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, on the one hand, we have a serious warning. And on this hand, we have a serious promise. This promise is as serious as the other warning was serious. 
Now, isn't that interesting? That God would warn us about desiring to be rich and then turn around and tell us, I want you to prosper. That's, that's, a, that's a serious promise. <laughs> there are some other serious promises <laughs> in the scriptures. Turn with me to Psalm 35. <laughs> we live and learn, don't we? <laughs> Psalm 35, 27. Come on, like you've never had that happen to you before. <laughs> I think everybody here has had that happen. Verse 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now again, you gotta, you gotta put this and, and compare it to what we read in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 6 about the dangers of desiring to be rich. But then here it, it says the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Well, somebody said, well, then that's, that's you know, that, that must mean that the Lord wants us to prosper but not be rich. Well, I'm glad you thought that. Turn to the 10th chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10, and let's look at verse number 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Now, now wait a minute, wait a minute. He who desires to be rich will fall into many temptations and traps, many foolish and hurtful lusts, and will be drowned in ruin and destruction. And yet, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. What's this all about? Well, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 just so that we'll get some clarification. Deuteronomy 8, verse number 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for he it is who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So here we're told that God gives his people the power to produce wealth, to accumulate wealth. You're here in the eighth chapter. Turn back to the sixth chapter and look at verse number 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, 
vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. And see, that's what he's talking about in the eighth chapter. Turn back over there. He said in verse seven, for the Lord your God is talking to the children of Israel before they went into the land of uh, of Cana. He said, the Lord your God is bringing you, you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that, that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can, get, you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Just beware not to forget the Lord. He goes on down and he says, lest in verse 12, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful cities and dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply, multiply, when your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord. The, notice the warning. It's the blessing of the Lord to make us rich. He says he gives, he gives his people the power to get wealth. He said, don't forget the Lord. So we have these scriptures telling us of, these, of, the, of, the, of the, this very serious and very real blessing. And, and then we have the scripture over in the New Testament that tells us that he who wants to be rich will, is going to get into trouble. Somebody said, well, it's a New Testament thing versus an Old Testament thing. These are Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament says something else. Well, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You know this is one of my favorite passages because it just, it's just encapsulizes so many concepts. In uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 8 God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Amen. So we have the New Testament and, and not only that, go over to second, go back to first uh, Timothy again. First Timothy again, we, we, we've looked at verse 9 and 10. First Timothy 6, verse 9. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and so forth. But now, in the same chapter, look at verse number 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So you see, in order to get a perspective, in order to understand the scriptures, you have to look at everything the Bible says about it. So on the one hand, we're told that it, it's, the, it's the blessing of God to make us rich and that he gives his people the power to get wealth and that he's able and willing to make all favor. Like the Amplified says, 
every, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. It's the amplified translation. Well, why would he say in, in verse number nine that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare? Why, why, would, uh, why would he say that? You know, it, when you look at that verse, it seems to say one thing, but on the other hand, it couldn't be wrong to want the blessings that God has ordained for you. We see Old and New Testament that God has ordained that his people prosper. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. So if it's God's will that we prosper, how could it be wrong to want to prosper? Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare. How is that? How is it? God tells us he wants us to have something, but don't you go for it. That, that doesn't make any sense. I found out a long time ago when I was a, a young Christian, and this, if you haven't figured this out, you need to pay attention. Anytime the Bible seems to contradict itself, and there you will find, if you go through life and study the scriptures, you will find times you'll read something and you'll seem, and it'll say, this contradicts what I've heard other places. It seems like God's saying two completely different things. Anytime you run into that in the scriptures, Know this, God never contradicts himself. God is not confused. He, he, you know, I know he's been around a long time, but he's not senile. He's not saying one thing one day and then saying something else the other day and forgot what he said before. When things in the scriptures seem to contradict, remember, you are missing something. Just mark that down. There must be something in the scripture I'm not, miss, I'm, I'm not getting because God couldn't be contradicting himself. That means you just have to dig a little more. There must be in verse number nine, there must be in this passage a disclaimer or a, not a disclaimer, but a qualifier. There has to be a qualifier somewhere. Well, the qualifier is in verse 10. Those who desire to be rich, verse nine, for the love of money. See, the qualifier here that, that, that causes a person to fall in temptation and a snare is not just simply the desire to be rich, but the desire to be rich for the sake of the love of money. It's a motive issue. If you're in love with money, then your desire to be rich for the love of money will cause you to fall into temptation, traps, snares, and so forth. Notice what he went on to say. For the love of money is a root of all evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their, what's the next word? Greediness. See, again, it's all about the motive. Why do you desire to be rich? 
Do you desire to be rich because you just want more? Because you're just in love with money and you're greedy and covetous for more and more and more. When, when Jesus appeared to, to Brother Hagin in one of his visions back in 1959, Jesus walked into the room and sat down next to his bed and just pulled up a chair and talked to him for like an hour. <laughs> he saw him. And, and Jesus told him a bunch of things about, about his ministry and about the prophet's ministry and so forth. And then he made this statement because he was teaching him how to be led by the Spirit. And, he, and he, he said, all of my children are led, are to be led by the inward witness. He said, now I'm appearing to you right now and I'm gonna lead you about something that you were praying about, but you're seeing me face to face. He said, I'm never gonna lead you this way again about your personal life and ministry. He said, from this day forward, you will be led by the inward witness just like every other Christian. Then he made this statement. He said, if you will learn to follow the inward witness, I will make you rich. That's what Jesus told Brother Hagin. He said, I'll make you rich. Then he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. See, the motive of the heart is every. You know in life, the motive of the heart determines just about everything you do, whether it's good or evil. You can do most anything with a bad motive and it makes the good thing bad. Well, when desiring to be rich, when you read this verse, always read verse nine with verse 10. Those who desire to be rich, dot, 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 for the love of money, dot, 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 and greediness. Now, go with me over, back over where we were to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse number 6 says, But this I say, he who sows or gives sparingly will also reap or receive sparingly. He who sows or gives generously will also reap or receive generously. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now here's what I wanted you to see. While you are enriched, that, that word enriched just simply means to be made rich. While you are made rich in everything for all liberality. The Amplified Bible says, so that you can be generous. Now here's the thing, why do you want to be rich? If you want to be rich for the love of money and for greediness sake, to consume it on yourself and just to accumulate like the man in the parable that Jesus talked about. He just accumulated and then he didn't have room for all of his stuff so he tore down his barns and built bigger barns and it was all about gathering in and Jesus said, you're a fool because you're gonna die tonight and then who's gonna get all your stuff? So is he 
who has great possessions but is not rich toward God. So you can have a desire to be rich for, for greediness sake and for the love of money and it will ruin, it will ruin you. I'm just telling we, we you, we ought to think about that. And that's a part of the message that's not being preached as it ought to be. Because they run from these scriptures because they seem to contradict. No, they don't contradict when you put it in its context. But on the other hand, if you desire to be rich so that you can be generous, now you're operating from a completely different motivation. I'm going to tell you right now, your pastor, you can tell all your friends, your pastor desires to be rich. You can go out and just tell everybody, I desire to be rich. <laughs> Didn't you read? I desire to be rich, but not for the love of money. I desire to be rich so that I can be generous. So that I can have more and more and more and more and more to bless others with. I tell you, generosity, when you, when you tap into generosity, and you don't have to have a lot to be generous. You don't have a lot. You don't have to have a lot to be generous. Some people are, have the idea that when they one day prosper, when they hit the mother load, then they're going to be generous. It's not the way God works. God works and, and cooperates with faithfulness. What are you going to do in the little lean time? In the small thing, what you do in the small things, you will do in the big things. And if you're stingy in the small things, when your ship comes in, you'll be stingy with your ship. It's the truth. What is generosity? Generosity is giving more than is necessary or expected. Now, Again, this could refer to other things besides money. You can be generous with your time. A person that's generous with their time, they're, they're, they, they'll take time with you. You know, they're, they're not in a hurry. If you need, if you, need you know, uh, uh, somebody to talk to, they're not looking at their watch the whole time, you know. They'll, they'll block out whatever time you need just to spend time. They're generous. Being generous is giving more than is necessary or expected. It's, it's, it's giving more than expected. Wow. I wanted to, you know, to spend a little time with him. He blocked out the whole day. Maybe I didn't want him to be that generous. <laughs> Generosity is giving more than is strictly necessary or expected. Unselfishness. Being free, being lavish. That's one of the uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary's definition of generous is lavish. See, you can afford to be lavish when you know that God will supply. God, listen to me, God will fund your generosity. God will fund your generosity if you'll get out of the stingy boat where you're, what, what, do I, what do I mean by stingy? Stinginess 
If you like, if you uh, are like the person I described earlier, all you want in life is, is you know, you don't want to be, live in a shack. You want to live in a decent house and drive a relatively nice car. You know, listen, if you drive, God doesn't care. Nobody cares if you drive a Chevrolet, if that's your thing, or a Maserati. It doesn't make any difference. You can live as simply as you want to live. But if your goal in life is just to have enough for you, and just to be comfortable, not be extravagant, but to, you know, and flashy, but to be, be comfortable, have enough. But you don't have a vision for being able to, to, to fund somebody else's dream. You don't have a vision to put thousands and thousands of dollars over your tithe into a missionary's uh, venture. And listen, just so you'll know, tithing is not generosity. Tithing, now you might think it is, you might think, boy, that's a stretch, you know, to give 10% of everything I have. That might be a stretch, but it's not generous. The reason it's not generous is it's expected. It's required. Generosity is giving more than is necessary or expected. Tithing is both necessary and expected because the tithe isn't yours. I said the tithe doesn't belong to you. When God, when God in, in Malachi said, you have robbed me, and they said, how have, you, how have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. Well, that's, that's the only place where God ever accused his people of robbing him. When they, when they stopped sacrificing, he didn't say, you robbed me. You, you robbed me of all of these bulls and goats that you should have been offering up to me. You robbed me of the wave offering. You've been reading all about this, right? The heave offering. He said, you've, he never, when, when Israel got into sin, he never said you robbed me of those things. The only thing he ever said that you robbed me of was tithes and offerings. Well, you can't rob somebody of something that doesn't belong to them. You don't call up the police and say, I got to report a robbery. A man came to my house and he left in his own car. He took, can you believe that? He came and he left. He took his car and left. Well, sir, where's the robbery? He robbed me of the car. Whose car was it? It was his car. It's not robbery. But if he left in your car, now you got something to talk about. All right? God said you rob, tithe belongs to the Lord. So being faithful and tithing is a good thing. And there are promises associated with that, but that's not being generous. Being generous is, is having a heart and following it up. When, first of all, it starts with the desire. I desire to be rich so that I can be generous. But I start being generous before I'm rich. With the little that you have, you start being generous and, and you allow the Holy Spirit to say, well, why don't you give such and such? Could be to the church, could be to a, a traveling minister, could, could be to a missionary. Instead of giving your ordinary amount when we have a guest, and I'm not promoting anybody in particular, I'm just saying, this is an illustration, instead of giving what you ordinarily do, why don't you give triple that? That would be being generous. See, allow the Holy Ghost. You can, 
You can get to a place in life if you'll do this. My wife and I have done this faithfully over the years, stretched ourselves. When we, when we didn't have that much and the, and the generosity that we showed wasn't anything much, you know. He was generous from our perspective, but it didn't amount to a lot, you know, quantity-wise. But we've gotten to a place now where because we've been generous all the years, now our generosity is something that causes people, when, we're, when we give to them, they go, wow, thank you, wow. You know, when, when we're, we're able, we're, I'm just bragging on the Lord, we're able now to give things into, into the work of the gospel over and beyond what would be expected, it, it is such a fun life. It is so exciting. It is so rewarding to be able to, to listen. You know, the Spirit of God prompts you to do something that other people say, whoa, and you do it, and you look at the expression on someone's face, and they I'm going to be able to I'm going to be able to, to, I'm going to have my need met. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be able to hold a gospel crusade. How, how rewarding do you think it would be for you to be able to fund an entire gospel crusade in a foreign land? I don't mean the church, I mean you. I'm going to underwrite this gospel crusade. Everything related to it, tell me what the budget is, I'm going to write you a check. Woo, Glory. See, God wants us to have, you're not going to start there, but God wants us to have a vision of doing more than just taking care of ourselves. And at the end of the day, at the end of our life, when we get to the end of the road, all you've got is your mortgage and your lawnmower and a worn out car. Instead, you get to heaven and you've got all of this, all of this reward. Of all the stuff you've get, and listen, you can still live any way you want to live. You don't have to live, you know, uh, uh, flashy. You know, you can if you want to. God will fund that too, if your heart's right. But you get to heaven, and you've laid up in store all of this faithfulness. And people come up to you and say, you don't know me, but I I was in such and such a country and you gave and the evangelist came and preached and I got saved because of your money, because of what you gave. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Generosity is an awesome thing. Generosity is giving more than is necessary or expected. So think bigger than just what you need or desire for yourself and think about what God can do through you. And, and, don't, and don't, be, don't be looking to tomorrow and thinking, well, one day I'll be able to do this. Start where you are. Start where you are by going the extra mile in your giving. You know, I, I've made this illustration up before and said this just to encourage you. This isn't no reason to say this, but to encourage you. I keep hundreds of dollars with me now all the time. I always have hundreds and hundreds of dollars in my pocket. Don't tell anybody outside here. <laughs> but the reason I do that is so that when I'm anywhere in public and the Holy Spirit prompts me to give to somebody, I can do it. Amen. Whether it's $20, $50, $100, $500, I can do it. Now, if you hear that and you, and you, and you think about it wrong, you'll think, well, if I, if I did that, God would bankrupt me. 
I mean, I, I'd just, I'd be giving money all. I, won't, I don't have the kind of money for that. I mean, what? The interesting thing is, I don't do it that often. It's not like I go to the mall and I'm walking and the Lord's just prompting me to give this person, give this. But that doesn't happen. I'll go weeks and weeks and weeks. I've, been, I've seen thousands of people. Holy Ghost didn't prompt me to give anything. So it's not like God will abuse you. You know, if you have that heart, he'll just start stripping that money out of your wallet. Every, every vagrant you see on the side of the road, you know. No, you're led by the Holy Ghost. But it, it get, get to the place where, where you just put an extra $10 every week in your pocket where this is, this is for you, Lord, whatever you want me to do with it. This is not part of I'm not spending this on anything. Just 10 bucks. Stick it in that little compartment in your wallet, you know, guys, that were, you know. Just 10 bucks. Say, now, Lord, if I ever come across anybody with a need, that $10 is, is theirs if you'll lead me. God will start. He won't just strip $10 out of your wallet every day, you know, but he'll start leading you occasionally. Oh, it's such a blessing. It's so rewarding just to have enough to give to somebody. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Did you get anything out of that? Hallelujah. Well, let's stand. Praise God. God wants us to be rich so that you can be rich, so that you can be generous. Amen. Enriched, made rich in all things so that you can be generous. Hallelujah. When you, when you get to the end of, your, of life's journey, you want to be able to, to say, you know, I made a difference in somebody else's life besides my own. Amen. Just, you know, God bless me, my son, John, us four, his wives, us four, no more. You know, his wife, us four, no more. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Live bigger than that. Live bigger than that. Think bigger than that. Dream bigger than that. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.